the Growth Happens Dawn to Dusk podcast with Matt Devitt. He talks with people about their journey, where they succeeded and failed to help others on their quest. We're all on a journey that starts and ends every day. This is when we grow between dawn and dusk. And now your host, Matt Devitt. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast. This is Matt Devitt taking you on another journey with a good friend of mine, Shane Wilson. So we're going to be talking to Shane about mentorship, what he's done as he came up through his career from starting out as a process engineer all the way through being a plant manager. So just an interesting journey he's went on and a lot of really good insight from somebody that Always look to find ways to get new opportunities, new exposure, while just understanding the risk and just some really, really solid ways of evaluating how to make a good decision. Had a fantastic time talking to Shane. Before we get into that, just want to thank everybody for supporting the podcast. It really means a lot to me. All of the likes, the shares, subscribes. Definitely, if you think this is helping somebody or helping yourself or could help somebody else, by all means, please share it, get it out there. And anything you can do, always appreciate it on my end. So thank you again. So with that being said, without further ado, Shane Wilson. Shane, thank you much for coming on the podcast. Really looking forward to talking with you today about your experience coming up through the ranks as a engineer in the fine world of cement, somewhat similar to myself, the uh, the rock dust industry, as we affectionately call it. So definitely thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you, Matt. I really, uh, really appreciate the opportunity. So one of the one of the things that uh, I found interesting, and in, in, uh, for the audience out there, so we've crossed paths many a times. Uh, as you were a plant manager out at CMAX, out in the Colorado area, so I was supporting you as a as a vendor, and uh, and now um, we're definitely uh, on the outside looking in as as far as being vendors to you know, the greater cement industry as well as heavy industry in and of itself. Um, but you graduated in 02, just like myself, and got right into cement again, just like I did. So I feel like we're kindred spirits to a certain point. But what what led you to getting into um, working in the cement industry back in 02? Yeah, um, you know, really, it was, I guess, opportunity knocks, so to speak. Um, while I was in college at uh, University of Alabama, I had interned with uh, TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority. Uh, my father had spent uh, most of his career, actually, in power generation, both coal-fired power plants, uh, hydroelectric dams, a little bit in nuclear. And um, so I had I'd worked for TVA in college, which... Um, wasn't super exciting, at least the things that I was doing, um, you know, probably just brushing the surface and, um, you know, a lot of kind of control valves and piping networks. And I had an opportunity to, to work for them coming out of college and then randomly, uh, and I still really to this day do not know why, but it was my, my last semester in school, uh, mechanical engineering. And I got into one of my classes and there was a note on my on my desk, uh, saying "See the dean of the mechanical engineering department uh, after class." And so I I went and, and saw her, and she said, "Hey, I've got a former student that works for a cement company. She's looking for a, a mechanical engineer, and I thought of you uh, that you would be a good fit. And so if you're interested, here call her. 
Uh, if not, no problem. And again, you know, I knew the dean and she knew me. It was a, it's a pretty small engineering school, but um, it, it wasn't a close relationship. So I, I really have never put those pieces of the puzzle together. But I, I ran it to ground and had a phone interview and then uh, went down to the Demopolis plant, which is about an hour south of where I went to school. And um, just met all of the guys. I spent a full day on uh, on the plant site, uh, touring around with the maintenance manager and maintenance planner, and uh, really had a good day. Um, and one of the things that I guess kind of drew me to it is they they talked a lot about um, I guess a, a combination of of office time and field work. And it was something where at that, you know, for sure at that stage in my life, uh, I wasn't looking to be in an office all of the time. Um, I really wanted to be outside. I feel like I'm pretty hands on. I like to uh, you know, understand how something works by you know, seeing it and, um, and, and getting involved in the, the field. And, um, and, and that was going to give me that opportunity. And so that's, uh, that's really how it started. Completely makes sense. That was a, uh... Similar to mine, except uh, I was, I'm a chemi, and so they geared us more towards the petroleum industry. And back in 02, um, petroleum wasn't doing anything. So I just started looking around going, okay, who else needs, you know, chemical engineer slash, you know, potentially process engineers or anything like that. And um, Lafarge at the time was, you know, looking for some of those people and they were in Northern Michigan and I was going to school at Michigan Tech. So it wasn't that far away. And uh, yeah, similar, similar kind of deal. It just happened to, you know, fall together into place and uh, never really, never really got out of it. So the yeah, hands-on yeah. portion was a, was a big part of what drew you into it. Um, but then you worked your way up to plant management within the, within the company. So do you see the, the hands-on portion? Did that, um, you know, how did that kind of drive your ability to move up and then, you know, basically switch to a management role? Yeah, um, I would say it aided me. Let's put it that way. I mean, you know, typically, I mean, there's plants range in sizes, uh, but the majority of the, the workforce in a, in a plant are, uh, are typically you know, skilled trades, right? And so it's guys that spend the majority of their day out either, you know, inspecting equipment, um, you know, checking from an operational perspective, maintaining equipment, you know, doing repairs and things like that. And so that's really the bulk of the workforce. And, um, you know, what I've found just, you know, over the years is, uh, you know, managers um, uh, in a lot of these facilities come and go, you know, maybe every three to five years or something like that. Uh, you know, senior managers in a plant, meaning, you know, department managers, plant manager, that sort of thing. They, they tend to come and go, um, but the, the hourly workforce are really kind of the engine that makes things go, if you will. And they're the ones that are, are there. You know, they're not moving around and they're not going to be a mechanic in one plant and move to another plant and be a mechanic. At least it's a lower probability, right? And so I think my, my tendency or my draw to be out in the field and kind of rub shoulders with those guys and, and at the same time come across, hopefully, more times than not, that uh, I wanted to learn from them and not, hey, let me tell you, you know, how you need to do this because I don't know. Um, coming from like you know a, a really genuine curiosity and, and and desire to learn, I think built some equity there, 
And so most of the plants that I've worked in, I had, I had, I think I had good relationships with, you know, all levels of the organization. And, um, and I think that really helped me, you know, gain some respect. And, um, and then when I had an opportunity to, to actually lead some of these groups, um, at least my, my intent was to lead from, Hey, we're, we're doing this together and not lead for, let, you know, let me point and, and you're going to go. Right. Um, so I think that, that helped me move in that direction. Um, and, uh, I guess probably kept me going in, in some respects too. Um, uh, I think that it, it, it kept things fresh. You know, you're not sitting behind a computer nonstop and just crunching numbers. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like what you used was the opportunity to build up some of that uh, that personal capital as well as some of the uh, professional or performance capital. So if you ever had to make a withdrawal, at least you weren't, you know, in the red with, uh, with trying <laughs> exactly. to get things done. So that's always important. The so what what did you so you did process engineering work? It looks like you've done and we talked about this. You've done like maintenance, which, of course, has projects and stuff like that. Um, what did you, what do you how, like? So when you're building up within your progression, what did you see any common threads that, you know, Hey, if I keep doing this, whatever it might be repeating over and over again, this is what's helping me gain more responsibility or, or visibility within the plant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that, you know, a common thread was listening. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more of that, but yeah, I had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things. Um, and for sure, that's what kept me with the, the same company, um, for as, as long as I worked for them because there was continual opportunities. And, and I think that it remains the case in the, in the industry today that if you're willing to, you know, stick with it and work hard, um, that there's going to be a, a lot of opportunities for, for people. Um, but yeah, coming back to your question, I, I think it was really listening to the people that were there and that had been there. You know, I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, I, I I'm not going to come in and have all the answers just because you give me a title of maintenance manager or plant manager or something like that. And so, um, you know, what what I found is is trying to listen to people and then uh, you know execute the things that they feel like are going to move the needle. Um, probably helped in, in large part make me successful over my career. Um, I, I remember I had a, had a boss and, and he was really a mentor of mine for, for many years. And one of the plants, uh, the plant that I ultimately managed, he was the, the plant manager before me and was just a really, really good guy um, and really looked up to him. But one of the things that I noticed, he, he really helped improve the plant's image in the public, in the public, as well as, um, you know, environmental regulators. And, um, I was like, man, you know, he had all these great ideas. Well, a few years after he had left and I had taken over being plant manager, I found a document that was actually from the late nineties. And one of the former departmental managers had, um, went through and, and essentially had, roundtable meetings with all of his employees and said, hey, you know, we need to improve our, our public impression or perception. Um, we need to do a better job with compliance and things like this. What should we do? And this document that I found was just a compilation of all of the things all of the hourly employees had stated that we should do. 
And when I went back and looked at what, you know, my mentor had done literally a decade later, uh, everything that he had done was on that list. And so it was, it was a reminder for me or, or maybe a dawning of, so to speak, of saying, and if you just listen to the, the people that are there and that have been there, um, more times than not, they're, they're not going to steer you in the wrong direction because they have a vested interest. You know what I mean? They, they want that plant to succeed. And so, um, yeah, I think a common theme of all my positions were at least you know, trying my best to, to listen to the people that I was working with, working for, and that were, uh, were working for me as well. Yeah, that's a great point within heavy actually any manufacturing or it can be any job in general, but where there's that core group that, uh, I mean, they have all sorts of names, right? You know, the steady eddies or, you know, the, uh, like the B level player, which I never quite agreed with, but, um, you know, they're not the shooting store, but they come in, they do a great job day in, day out. They like what they do, but they're not really into the rat race to move up. Right. Um, when you can find that group, and then tap into the whole, you know, do the theoretical, like, okay, if you were running this, what would you do to make it better? It's, it's almost a, a bottomless well of ideas and, and potential that comes out of that. They're just looking for somebody to act on it because they kind of know where their authority or their ability to move the needle kind of stops. And they're hoping that you can just, you know, take it that remainder and actually make it happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole adage of, you know, two heads are better than one or three heads are better than one. Um, and uh, yeah, for sure. You know, if you're, if you're managing a group of 10, 20, 40 people, um, it doesn't matter how smart, uh, or how driven you are, you can only take, take things so far unless you have everyone working together and being a part of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it takes, it takes stopping and listening. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at, the, uh, the the career that you had, I mean, you went from being technical and then sliding over to the managerial role. And I always found it interesting within heavy industry how, for some reason, there seems to be this assumption in my perception completely, but this assumption that every engineer that comes in wants to be a manager, like they want to be a supervisor of people and stuff like that. I've always found that interesting because there's engineers that I've met that were like, no, I just want to keep doing this. Like they don't want to run <laughs> crews and they don't want to do anything like that. Um, what do you think helps set you apart to where people noticed that, hey, you've got some some potential talents to not just work with people, but lead and manage people? What do you think some of those, you know, items that you just, you know, maybe have shown earlier in your career that moved you into the management track that really fit for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you ultimately have the opportunity to to lead, uh, whether that's you know uh, formally or, or informally, right? And so, really, when I, I mean, my first my first job as a reliability engineer out of school, um, I had, um, you know, I guess I had some some informal responsibility from a, I guess, a supervisory perspective, um, where uh, I had hourly guys that were were working with me, you know. Technicians and things like that, and so um, I, I guess I, I was required <laughs> to to sink or swim, um, but one way or the other, interact with those with those guys and gals. Um, and so I think that 
my my manager at the time uh, saw how I was doing that on an on an informal basis because I didn't have, um, you know, wasn't in a in a management position, and so it was really great uh, looking back on it. My first like actual management role. I had six people working for me, so uh, in the grand scheme of things, it was a it was a good introduction to managing people, and because it was a, such a small group, right? Um, but I was a I was a process engineer at the time, and in the the plant that I worked in, anytime the production manager was on vacation or he was out on a special assignment or whatever it be, maybe I was uh, I got an opportunity to act as production manager. And so um, I think that maybe the, the lesson to learn or, or the, the, the thing to keep in the back of your mind is you're going to have opportunities to send the message to people that you're interested in a management position if you want by taking those opportunities. You know, I could have said no when the production manager went on vacation and they would have, you know, had somebody else fill in. Uh, but I, I took that on every chance that I got. Uh, one to learn, um, and then two to send a message to you know upper management that I wanted to to have an opportunity and that I was going to uh, position myself to be ready for an opportunity by getting that experience you know in, in small snippets. And then when the uh, uh, it was a quality a quality manager position came open, um, he actually came to me and said, "Hey, would you be interested?" And uh, he came not because of my background, <laughs> because I didn't have a you know a, a chemistry um, background or chemical engineering background, which is more typical for for quality managers in cement plants. Um, but I think he had confidence in my ability to one learn um, and two to uh, to work with others, and so uh, he felt like that um, I could I could figure out the rest, if you will. So. When opportunity knocks, open the door, as the adage goes, right? Um, exactly. But then, of course, there's the adder to that of usually the what you see standing in the doorway is dressed in overalls and looks like a, looks a whole lot like work, um, <laughs> which is true. I mean, you know, rarely does opportunity come along where there's nothing required of the person who, who, who answers or opens the door. So when you were saying, you know, yes to these opportunities to, to kind of dip your toe into some of these leadership roles, these management roles. Were you ever trying to think about, or maybe in the back of your mind, um, almost kind of like risk manage, like, okay, I want to try this out, but if something bad should happen, how can I make that as minimal as possible, but still getting the most benefit out of the experience? Um, yes and no. Um, so I, I, and I'll, I'll try to make sure that I explain that clearly rather than a, 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 a non-answer. Oh, no. I, I like um, the, all of the above answer. That's fine too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, tr truthfully, um, I, w I guess I was looking at it from a holistic perspective uh, in that uh, I was looking how at how it would impact my life as a whole and not just my work or career, right? And so, you know, one of the drivers, and I think it's a driver in, in uh, at least a lot of our decisions, um, is, you know, what does that look like for my life outside of work, right? And uh, so I had moved to Colorado uh, to take that process engineering position. And honestly, I fell in love with Colorado. And um, for, and you, you, you know this from being in the industry and, and making a lot of moves yourself, yep. is, um, you know, 
the 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 typical life of a of a cement plant um you know engineer that's moving up is going to be relocating geographically and um i i quickly decided that i wanted to to stay in colorado and so i knew that if i took an opportunity when it came within the plant that i was currently working is that would uh would that would i guess help me stay here because uh, I still live in Colorado um, rather than um, be pushed to take a, an opportunity when it came up somewhere else. So that risk mitigation piece was less uh, trying to insulate myself from making a mistake of taking that position and more um, risk mitigation through uh, getting pressured to, to move or relocate when I didn't really want to. Um, I don't know if that may, makes sense, but no, uh, it does kind of make sense. I mean, that's taking in because uh, you're right. I was asking strictly from the perspective of, you know, professional. So it's kind of and you do projects now. So you kind of, you know, where's my risk in this? How do I mitigate it? You know, so one of those things could be like, OK, if I'm going to take this role, you know, how much uh, I don't say work because there's work with every job that comes into it. But how much unknown is there going mm -hmm. to be? or that's going to hold me back or make the position extremely difficult to where the potential for failure is now possible. Whereas, you know, okay, are there ways that I can shorten that gap of the knowledge, you know, uh, unknown that's within there. So then I don't worry about failure as much or if failure happens, it's at such small increments that it doesn't sink the ship, if that makes sense. Right. No, I think that's totally valid. And uh, that's definitely been a bigger factor in, in other decisions that I've made. Um, and, and some of those opportunities, I, I think that risk is a little bit less at play. At least it was for me at that time because um, I felt like I was working for a person that I trusted, right? And so um, because of that, that trust that was there, um, I, I didn't feel like it was a huge risk of, hey, I'm going to fail at this, and then what? Um, it was uh, it was much more of, hey, this is an opportunity, and I'm going to be working for someone that I'm going to learn a lot from, and that um, uh, that that it's going to to help me in the future. And if I get into something and I don't know how, they're gonna they're gonna support me. To get me the, the the training or the resources or whatever I may need, I may need to be successful. Um, you know, along those lines, I've had other opportunities that I've turned down. You know, I had a handful over the years of opportunities to to you know leave the you know my prior company and and go to work for another company, and that was much more of a risk analysis, right? Um, mm -hmm. I remember talking to one guy that I had a lot of respect for. He was an older gentleman. And had an opportunity to go in. It was a, it was a manufacturing facility. It was a greenfield plant, and they had found me and um, thought that I would be a good fit for managing this greenfield facility. And, um, and so I interviewed it and interviewed with them. It seemed like it was going to go somewhere, and so I you know started asking a lot of questions. And um, and this one gentleman, he said, um, in, from his perspective, is you're you're leaving all of these knowns. And you're taking on a lot of unknowns. And so the new knowns has to involve a really big carrot, <laughs> you know, um, because because uh, there's a lot of risk involved. Right. Um, because, yep. you know, with your current job, you, you, you know what you have. 
um, and uh, and really stepping into something new, um, there's much much more um, unknowns than knowns. Um, so what's that what's that carrot that's going to entice you to um, push all those unknowns to the side and go for it? You know, take the leap. Yeah, it's it's balancing the, you know creating asymmetrical risks so that there's less risk and more reward. And sometimes, um, yeah, it's interesting from what you're talking about. It sounds like there was a lot of risk. So you have to put a whole lot of reward out there, which, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll get a little nerdy from the math here, but I mean, if you look at the Delta between those two, it probably wasn't all that much, but if you look at the Delta from where you were towards, you know, risk or towards reward was probably huge. And I wonder if sometimes that's where people, they only look at the the delta between the risk reward and they don't look at the actual distance between where they are versus the risk and versus the reward. And is that full distance, that gap really worth what they're getting themselves into? No, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we make uninformed decisions all the time, right? right. Unfortunately, you know, and right. uh, sometimes those work out and sometimes they don't. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the goal is... <laughs> is to not make those uninformed decisions, you know, and I think uh, as engineers, we probably have the propensity to um, <laughs> maybe not make as many of them, but, um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Or by default, we just make some pretty graphs and charts that make us feel like we made the right decision and we can go from there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Gives you warm and fuzzy, right? Yeah. Right. right yeah. Uh, this will look good on a PowerPoint. So I think I can explain this later. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and just, you know, I kind of bring that up because, you know, I like the idea that you kept saying yes, but it sounds like you were having a lot of the conversation up front with, you know, an, an open dialogue with the person you were having saying, yeah, I would love to take that, but I know this is an area I'm going to be weakened. You know, how, how are we going to work through that, you know, or around that or whatever it might be? Yeah, and I think one of the, uh, one of the advantages that you know, just, I guess, comes along with some of those things by, by accident or by default, maybe, um, is getting into like a management position when there's a lot that you don't know, it's kind of out of your wheelhouse. It, it requires you to depend on other people, right? And, you know, most people on a team, they want, you know, their, their manager, you know, having faith in them and giving them responsibility and giving them an opportunity to, um, uh, to, to do something, you know, and be a part of it. And uh, all too often, I know I've seen uh, in my own experiences, um, you know, leaders come in that, hey, I can do every single job of every person that works for me. And there's value in that, uh, but there's also risk, right? That, uh, you know, you don't trust the people or you, you think that you can do it better. Hey, let me show you. Um, and so there's uh, some negatives that can come with that. And so what I found is is that it, it required me to really lean on some of the people in my team and then also say, okay, I'm, because I'm leaning on you, then I'm going to support you in these other ways, right? So, um, you know, we, we are a team um, and it created a good, a good environment, at least, uh, you know, initially. So I believe this was your boss that you were talking with at the times, but it sounds like it could have been a, a mentor as well. And I don't know. Did you view it as kind of a mentor-mentee relationship, not so much an org chart relationship? Yeah, you're talking about when I first um, kind of got into the management roles earlier on. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. That was for sure. Um, I mean, he was a boss, 
um, but definitely began to look at him as a as a mentor, and then uh, we continued that relationship. So, um, you know, he was the plant manager at the time, and um, he eventually retired, and I took his position as plant manager, and we re- remained in in close connection during during my time as a plant manager. And uh, he since you know moved geographically, but we still talk. Uh, at least once a quarter, if not more, um, and, uh, you know, catch up. And there are oftentimes where, you know, I need, need to bat something around and I'll just give him a buzz and, and talk something through. And I think, man, I think those relationships are, are invaluable. And, uh, you know, for me earlier in my life, uh, both from a, I guess, a personal perspective as well as a work perspective, I had, some of those mentors by accident, you know, I just had some older people, uh, mostly men that were in my life that, that acted as that and took on that role. Uh, and then as I started kind of connecting the dots, as I got older, you know, in college and, and after, you know, post-college, uh, I started purposefully seeking those mentors out like, Hey, I need this. I need these people that I can go to and they're going to give me, um, you know, good advice, or they're going to, at times it's not advice, but they're, they're going to ask me really good questions. That's going to help me collect my thoughts and make a better decision. Um, so yeah, I think that those people are, are super important. And I was, you know, um, I was blessed to have, uh, you know, a boss for, for quite a few years that, that acted as that and continued, um, you know, after our professional relationship was, was ended. Uh, he continued to, to act as that mentor for, for many years. Sounds fantastic from the way uh, I'll, I'll buy too. Uh, um, <laughs> so with the, the relationship that you had with your, your mentor and even some of the other mentors that you had, what, you know, so let's say if you could build, you know, the perfect mentor, if that makes sense, what are some of the qualities that you saw in the mentor that really provided you a lot of value, but then kind of flip that around. And the second part of the question would be, you know, what parts did you, do you think you added a lot of value to the mentor? Because mm-hmm. at least when I've talked with people, that mentor-mentor relationship, it's it's not student-teacher, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a, a give and take on both sides. It's just the give and the take are completely different depending on which side of the table you're on. Yeah. So the the first part, I feel like I can answer pretty quickly. Um, uh, you're going to challenge me with that second part for sure. But you know, I guess first, and and you know, I'm I'm giving advice that I was given. Um, but when it came to or it comes to um, you know, choosing a mentor or seeking someone out, um, it, I guess first and foremost um, is looking at someone's life from all aspects and saying. You know, this is someone that um, has kind of got it figured out, right? Uh, and not just looking at a piece of the pie. And I've had other people tell me the opposite. Uh, and so let me let me just, I guess, explain a little bit to make sure it's clear. Is is that I have tried to look at people that um, they have a good marriage, a strong marriage, and they they care about their spouse. Um, they you know, have kids and they love their kids. They're involved with their kids. Um, you know, they're, um, they, 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 st- 
still this debt to this day are uh, are actively engaged with their kids and their kids love them back right um financially that they've done well and they've made wise financial decisions and then their career that they've been you know successful and uh, I guess, you know, in, at least in my eyes, how I view success in a lot of ways, right? So kind of these these handful of areas that I think are important that I want to choose a mentor that I see has been, let's say, quote unquote, successful and how I value things in those different areas. Um, now, I've had people tell me, um, you know, seek out, like if, if you're concerned with finances, for instance, uh, then seek out the guy that is you know, super wealthy and has made really good decisions when it comes to finances. Well, I think there's some value in that, but if they've, um, if their kids hate them and, you know, they're lonely, but they do really well at finances, well, I'm not so sure that I want to, you know, take all of their advice, right? And so, um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, truthfully, as I've tried to look at someone that when you, when you take the collective whole of who they are and how they've lived their life, that it aligns with where I want to be in the future, right? Um, and and then that's been the driver of me saying, okay, hey, this is a uh, this is a person that I want to I want to spend more time with and understand the why behind the what. That I want to understand um, how they've lived their life and what's been you know their motivation behind making different decisions, saying yes when they said yes and saying no when they said no, uh, because I think that's more important, right? Um, I don't want to be too one-sided about things. And so um, I saw that, you know, I mean, this this guy, his, his name is, is Steve, and he was my boss for a long time. Uh, again, continues to be, uh, you know, someone that's a, a part of my life. I saw that in him, right, uh, in large part. And I've had, um, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to have other mentors in my life, and I've used that same or similar criteria of saying, uh, you know, what are the things that I value in my life? Where do I want to be in the future? And um, is this someone that kind of fits that mold, right? And um, I have someone that I meet pretty regularly with now, and um, he's an architect, lives uh, relatively close by, and he's just that. Uh, he's, you know, I believe he, he has a, a really good relationship with his with his wife. My wife actually meets with his wife as kind of a mentor-mentee relationship as well. Uh, so sometimes he and I'll get together and uh, our wives will get together. Sometimes we'll get together, all four of us. Um, they are a part of my kids' life. Um, they love my kids and vice versa. Uh, he has two grown children and uh, they're, they're, they're healthy and they're, they, they have good jobs and they're making a positive impact on, on society, if you will. Um, you know, they, they have a, a strong faith. That's an important, you know, part of, uh, of my life and, you know, something that, that I value. Um, and then from a career perspective, I think he's made wise career decisions. He's a partner in our, in a, in a firm and, um, and it continues to be successful. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I, I look at all of these things and say, okay, you know, that's, uh, you know, he's uh, he's 60 or 61, and uh, I see what he's done and, and how far he's come and where he's at today and say, I would like to be in a similar place when I'm 60. So therefore, this is someone that I can learn a lot from. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. I mean, I love that that attitude of separating out, do I need to find, you know, a subject matter expert, a teacher, 
And, and I agree with your point on the finance that you brought up, you know, I mean, you know, can you show me how to make a lot of money? Yeah. But if it's at the expense of all of these other things that I value, um, you know, then you try to kind of, okay, knock off the edges and keep the pieces that make sense. But that's a little difficult, right? Because you don't know what really makes sense from the information because his, perce his perspective is so vastly different. So it, it, sometimes it's even hard to distill down the takeaways. Whereas what you're looking for is a person where their perspective is very similar and in line with yours. So now when you get information back, it sounds like you don't have to go through and vet like all the pieces of the information because you know at least they're coming from a similar vantage point, you know, or at least their intentions are in line with yours. So even if their perspective is, is greatly different, you can still look at them and go, well, we still hold enough things in common that let me take on their perspective for a little while and stretch my brain. I, I love the idea of it. Yeah, I mean, decisions aren't made in a vacuum. So, um, you know, one decision that you make with respect to your finances is going to have an impact on, you know, your marriage or your kids or, you know, whatever it may be, right? And so um, I think compartmentalizing things too much, uh, and I think specifically when we're talking about searching for a mentor, right? Not to say that you don't go to that subject matter expert because they know finances better than anything you know that is their thing oh for sure i mean there's go to them there's there's things to learn but specifically at least for me when you're seeking out a mentor i believe that they've, they've got to have a majority of those those boxes that are important to you checked um or uh, or they don't they don't make the cut from my perspective yeah it completely makes sense i mean you just got to know what you're asking the question um to gain you know like who am i asking what do i want to get out of it and if you package it correctly then it's great um, yeah. if, you're, if you're trying to get more nebulous, you know, answers out of things, then, uh, it may not be the best choice for you. Um, right. no, that makes, that makes complete sense as far as, as looking for a potential mentor. So when you enter into the re relationship, what have you done as a mentee that you think has allowed you to get the most value or at least reciprocate value to the mentor in that stance in, in that kind of situation? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I try to do is be, you know, intentional and, and, and have a purpose when we get together. Um, and so, you know, I, I usually come with, uh, you know, at least a topic, if not multiple topics, um, you know, so say, you know, Dave and I are going to get together for coffee. Um, you know, I've usually thought about it beforehand and I'm like, man, I, I really want to discuss this situation and get his feedback. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there's, there's value added. And there's also, I think, a, a message that you send to that person of, Hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to waste your time. Not that, uh, just getting together and shooting the breeze can't, you know, can't add some value, but I think that there's a respect level that, you know, you, you send that message of, I'm respectful of you taking out an hour to sit down and have coffee with me. And so, um, I really want to utilize that hour, right? And um, so I guess that's that's one piece that I try to make sure that it, it has value um, is is being prepared. Um, and and then as, as far as that that reciprocal uh, you know side of it, is, I, I think it's a great question because you know honestly it, it's not something that I've thought a significant amount about, and I think it depends on the the relationship that you have with that person and um, 
for instance, so I, I, I gave you the, the example of my wife meeting with this guy's, um, uh, his wife, and one of the statements he made is that uh, he believes my wife um, gives his wife insight into her daughter-in-laws, right? So uh, they have two boys, and um, so therefore she's having this, you know, these relationships with, with daughter-in-laws, and she's trying to get that perspective. And so my wife brings her and gives her some of that insight, right? Um, and pr probably by accident in some ways. And so uh, I think that that you're you're exactly right that we do provide um, you know reciprocal value, even though we're in, in large part looking to you know pluck our umbilical cord into a mentor and just you know take. Uh, it doesn't work that way, right? It, it does go both ways, um, but I think it depends on. The, the type of relationship and you know the nature of it and, and that sort of thing um, I think that there is for sure uh, this sense of um, appreciation that that mentors have knowing that they are are impacting other people through the things that they've learned and you know the, the mentors that I've had have really been um, very open and honest with wanting to share the things that they've learned. And I, I think that that's something that comes with, with age and maturity is, man, hey, I've, I've been through these hard knocks and I've learned a lot of lessons. And if I can help someone, then I want to do that, right? And that's another one of those, I guess, value boxes, um, it, it, so to speak, that someone that, that can ultimately be a really good mentor is, is going to want to do that. Um, and then they gain... I guess a sense of, of appreciation, but from knowing they're kind of, I guess, giving back. Right. Yeah, it's uh, something that I've heard a couple of different times, and you know, either reading or something like that. Like the, you know, when you have power, that the when you know you have true power is when you can actually give it away, and somehow that allows you to have even more power and influence. Is the fact you just keep giving, you know, experiences out and, and so on and so forth. It's kind of, it's a little different than uh, where some people feel like, you know. Once you've hit a certain level, you got to protect your island and can't let anybody else come in. And and uh, uh, it can be very devastating when you work with those people. Like they don't want to share anything. It really stifles a lot of the potential organic growth that can take place. So, no, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's it's definitely worth getting a getting a mentor where where um, it is reciprocal. Do you uh, do you currently have uh, any mentees, any young Padawans? <laughs> I do not. Um, I do not formally. Um, I have. Um, I have a new employee that's that's working for me now, and um, it's a it's in a new role that that's new to me. You know, outside my comfort zone, um, and so you know, I hope to um, uh, to have a good relationship with with him and, and take on some of that. But you know, nothing nothing formal. No. Gotcha. Well, I mean, there's always the informal versus formal. I mean, I can think of, I don't have any direct mentees per se, but, you know, I'm sure you have people that come up for your, you know, your experience and your point of view. So I almost kind of look at that as the, uh, the, uh, the abridged version of that mentor mentee relationship of, Hey, you've been down that path before. What do you think? No, so, no question. Yeah. No question. Definitely happens in different sizes and forms. So, um, so what else I found was interesting is you worked in heavy industry for a good amount of time. And then you, like myself, uh, we went to the dark side and we became vendors into the industry that we <laughs> we uh, we were working in, as well as, you know, other heavy industries. Um, 
So before you made the switch, what are some of the, the interesting changes that you saw within the cement industry and still see within the cement industry? Like what are kind of the interesting, like you're like, wow, I didn't expect that to change within the industry while you were in there. Hmm. I guess interesting changes. Um, or just something that surprised you when you're in industry. You're like, oh, I didn't really quite see that coming. That was, you know, or good or bad. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, I was probably a little surprised with the uh, the recent push, and I've seen more and more companies uh, pushing toward kind of a lean manufacturing. Um, and I guess I that kind of caught me off guard. I think that there's a lot of really good, um, you know, I guess lean manufacturing Six Sigma type, uh, you know, philosophy that's out there. And um, I, I think it has the potential to impact industry. Um, I haven't seen a lot of companies that I think have figured it out yet um, to really tap into how it adds uh, a significant amount of value specifically to the bottom line. Um, but I do think that, that companies are trying to to innovate and, and leverage some of the practices from other industries uh, and bring those into um, you know, cement and other heavy industrial manufacturing. Uh, so I think that that's one of the things that kind of comes to mind that, that caught me off guard a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm still watching. I know that uh, and I still encounter it with different companies that I work for, work with now that have some type of, you know, continuous improvement, um, lean manufacturing type, um, you know, operational uh, operating philosophy, if you will. But I still haven't found somebody that I think is doing it really, really well. And so um, I'm, I'm waiting for the first company that uh, at least I think really figured it out. Yeah, it's a good point. Back in my days, that was um, it was always talked about, you know, and, and you know, uh, you remember this probably as well as I do. I mean, Toyota was a monster with this back during my younger process engineering days and stuff like that. And so the, you know, the five the ways. Way. Yeah, I mean the Toyota Way, the five Ys, you know, was a big one that we we were using within um, some of the process departments that I was within. Uh, but you're right, like getting to the Six Sigma portion, like I haven't seen, and again, I haven't done a deep amount of investigating into it. But yeah, from the uh, the heavy industry side, I mean, yeah, I've seen it in semiconductors and and things of um, that nature where you have an individual like finished product, like an actual widget. Um, I just haven't seen people do it in the rock dust industries. You know, they've done mm -hmm. parts and they've picked and picked and choose the the things that make sense. But you know, definitely it, it's not the same um, scale that you see them elsewhere. But that is true. I would definitely agree with that kind of perspective. That uh, it looks like the industry finally became open to uh, the outside in uh, outside ideas, which I think has been very helpful. Yeah, agreed. So I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're uh, getting close to to almost an hour here. I feel like we can uh, we should definitely get back together sometime in the future. Do uh, do kind of a port two and uh, see what's changed. Something of that nature. What's going on with you? We can even talk about more of your uh, your trip over to the dark side as a business development manager for a, a construction company, which has been pretty awesome. When you've been telling me about the stuff you've been working on, so that sounds like a lot of fun that I think we should dig into in the in the future. Um, so with that being said, if people wanted to connect with you, um, hear more about your story, 
get to know you a little better? What are some of the ways that they could uh, do that out in the vast interwebs of the internet? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn, um, which, you know, I think is one of the, um, the, the, the career centered social media, um, platforms. So just, yeah, Shane Wilson on, uh, on LinkedIn, you can find me. And then I am on Twitter. Um, I'm not as active as I once was, uh, but definitely you can find me on Twitter. I'm at, at B Shane Wilson. So the letter B, uh, Shane Wilson on Twitter. So you can look me up. Fantastic. I'll make sure all that stuff's in the show notes as well. So people will be able to click on you, find you and uh, look for career advice or, you know, the occasional, you know, cat gif or something like that on Twitter. I haven't figured out Twitter yet. I, I keep trying, but I haven't quite figured it out yet. Anyways, Shane, definitely uh, appreciate all your time. That was great insight on mentor mentee relationships. So thank you again. And you have yourself a fantastic rest of the day. Uh, thanks, Matt. It was great. I appreciate it. Fantastic interview with Shane. Really enjoyed his perspective on picking mentors and really the holistic approach of finding someone to work with. I like the way he takes a look at taking on risk, new jobs, what he's trying to mitigate, how he evaluates that. Just a really good all around, I think just a good foundational way to evaluate what you want to do with your career. So definitely check him out. Look him up on LinkedIn and Instagram or sorry, LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you want to follow me and more information about this podcast, give me some feedback. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter with the handle Devitt Matt. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Matt Devitt as well. And once again, I appreciate everybody who's following me on this podcast, everybody who shared and commented. I mean, if you're finding this impactful to you and you think it'll help somebody else, by all means, please share. So once again, remember everybody, growth happens between dawn and dusk. Mm-hmm.